Coming up on today's edition of the DNC Podcast, we're back after a week off, but we dive right into college football. Michigan State gets obliterated by Ohio State, which sets up an incredible matchup this upcoming Saturday between Michigan and Ohio State, one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. So we, we talk a little bit about the playoff landscape and just different teams and what the implications of this past weekend had on the playoff and the rest of the season. Um, and then we get into the NFL. I mean, a lot of a lot of crazy games, a lot of interesting storylines, ton of upsets, just really a lot of content to cover. So uh, this one was really fun. Uh, buckle up, let's go. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Having a thirty-seven year old Cincinnati, and all the only thing else I got to say is. Episode 82 of the DNC podcast. We are back after a week away, but we're pumped and excited because Dust, this past weekend in college football, man, was absolutely bonkers. How are you doing this morning? And kick us off, my friend. I'm doing great, man. We had, uh, I think, some interesting matchups. Uh, Michigan State's one chance at the college football playoffs in what the past 20 years got uh, absolutely demolished. Um, they, they are who we thought they were. And um, Ohio State put a whooping on them, which is going to make this Saturday extremely interesting. Uh, we got. I know you don't think Michigan has there's any no, chance. There's no chance. I really I think it's going to be a great game. <laughs> Dude, why do you think there's no chance? Uh, I've. Is it because of Michigan's offense? I mean, I, I've seen Michigan play Ohio State in the past 10 years, right? I've seen them play under Jim. Okay, that's fair. Um, all, this year feels different. Yeah, though. but I mean, did you see what Michigan State did to Michigan? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say to that, I think that's fair. But I would say they're on the road. It's a rivalry game. Like, there's, It's kind of like, you know, in the NFL, many times where like a good team – the next week, like if they play an emotional game, then go into the next week and they they flop against the bad team, like the Bills losing to the Jags, right? So it's like stuff like that can happen. Um, the thing is, is that Michigan was in control of that Michigan State game and they let it get away. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I would have liked to have seen Michigan win that game, but uh, I also can understand why they lost. You know, Ohio State, Michigan State's not a rivalry game, and Ohio State's at home, like, I don't know. I think there's just other context that matters, but but I I think it's fair to to criticize the loss for sure. I mean, I just feel like Michigan. I feel like the Big Ten has played up a little bit this year, and at the SEC across the board, like minus Alabama and Georgia, has kind of been down. Right, like Florida's been down this year. LSU's been down this year. Old Miss has been like somewhat inconsistent. It's not the same like Oklahoma team we're used to seeing. And so when you look at that, I feel like because of that, like Michigan State and Michigan's been elevated. I also think when you look at like defensive and offensive rankings, they're so misleading conference to conference. Where like you look at like the Big Ten and everyone's like, oh, well, Michigan is like a top five, ten defense. It's like, yeah, well, they're playing Wisconsin every week, right? So it's like these are low scoring games. These are teams that are clock management running the ball. They're not spread offenses. Where Ohio State isn't like your traditional Big Ten offense. They're going to spread the field. They're going to run a lot of zone read. They're going to throw the ball down the field vertically. And so it's like a different matchup than you faced. And so that's where I'm interested to see because, you know, it's a lot of stop. It's different than everyone else you've played, you know. And 
Ohio State, they're they're so explosive. And so, I mean, I I love Michigan to to win it, but I could I see there in my opinion, there's a way higher chance that it's 35-7 Michigan then it's 21-17 Michigan. And for me, the only way Michigan wins this game is if it's a low-scoring game, they run the ball. And, um, I mean, I, I hope Jim gets it done. I, I just would be shocked. Well, my only argument to your, your defensive statement or stance would be that, you know, 10 years ago, the SEC was not a spread, a spread conference. Like, they didn't throw the ball. They ran the ball and played great defense, yet everybody always talked about how the SEC's got the best defenses, right? But they never threw the football. So it's kind of the same thing with the Big Ten this year, or really historically, you know, the Big Ten's known as like smash mouth football. It's, you know, the big, uh, it's it's the Midwest, it's East Coast, like run the football cold weather late in the year. So I totally get your stance on that. But, you know, I just think like the SEC, this is like new, like Bryce Young throwing for 500 yards like at Alabama. That's really, really new. Like people forget like five, six years ago, that wasn't Alabama. And that wasn't the majority of the SEC. And I think, you know, with Tua, Joe Burrow, some of these guys that have had a lot of success at the collegiate level and put up pretty big numbers um, in the SEC has has changed the conference and how people view it. Um, because now they're they're spreading the ball around. They're not just running the football and playing great defense. So anyway, that, that would just be my stance on that. Um, Cause I think people just, I think w- to your point about the big 10, even though I agree that it's been up this year um, and the sec has been down, but like, that's not the big 10's fault. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the sec um, I think because it's got that badge and people just see it, they think it's the best. But if you, if you, if to me, if you look at the sec, right. Like there's teams that I would take in the big 10 over teams in the sec, like, Arkansas. I understand Texas A&M beat Bama, but like Texas A&M's looked atrocious at times. Um, and so it's, there's just, I think when you look at the conference as a whole, like Mississippi state, like what, you know what I mean? Like Vanderbilt, like there's, there's still teams in the sec that I'm just like, okay, like those are not good, you know, teams. Whereas if I look at the big, if I look at the big 10, um, you know, you've got Wisconsin, you've got, you still have teams like Iowa State, even though Iowa State's not ranked, like they're still a solid football team. Michigan State obviously was the seventh ranked team in the country. You got Michigan, who's sixth. You got Ohio State. I mean, they had three teams within the top 10, you know, and I, I understand a lot of that has to do with in conference play, but I'm just saying, I think people just look at, they hear SEC and they just think it's better than everybody. And do I think the top of the SEC is better than the rest of college football? 100%. But when I look at, if I'm going side by side looking at the conference, like I'm not going to just give SEC teams the the win just because it's the sec so um so just one quick question though with this weekend's game between michigan and ohio state if michigan wins this game do you think that they have earned a right to be in the college football playoff because and i just say this they still have to play the big 10 championship so if they win they still have to win the big 10 championship right so do you think if they were to win against ohio state but lose the big 10 championship do you think they should be out so they would have two losses at that point yeah, I mean, if they have two losses, they're out. I mean, I think the same thing with Ohio State. I think both of these teams have to win this game and win the Big Ten Championship because when you come down to it, you know, SEC bias or not, Alabama loses another game. I'm not putting either of them in there over a two-loss Bama team. Like, there's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, you probably don't put them in over a one-loss Georgia team. And so it's like those two teams. I think the interesting thing is like Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati still hasn't lost a football game. 
Um, obviously, like they're in a weaker conference, but all you can do is play the teams on your schedule, right? That's all you can do. Um, and then I think where it's interesting is like I put this team in the same category as the Big Ten, and that's Notre Dame. Notre Dame has one loss, right? Um, they've been kind of inconsistent, but they're ten and one. And so it's like, what do you do? Is if you have a ten and one Notre Dame team, I realize they're not going to play in a conference championship game, but if you have a ten one. Uh, you have a one loss Notre Dame team and then both your losses from the Big Ten have two losses. I don't think the committee is going to put a two loss. I mean, there's a chance they put a two loss Ohio State team in there just because of the name, right? And that's where we get to it. It's like, whether it's right or wrong, like there is strength in a name, right? Like Alabama, there's there's clout with certain programs' names. Or I don't think Michigan's had that because even like their bowl history – it's been somewhat inconsistent. I would say like Michigan has been a really solid football team, but they haven't taken that step, right? And I think ever since Jim got there, like everyone was waiting for them to take that step. And really when you think about it, like the timing was like there, like Urban left, right? And it was like, hey, it's your chance to kind of take over this conference and he hasn't been able to. And so I think he has a great opportunity. I mean, the to your point, it's like it's in his hands. If they beat Ohio State this week, and they win the Big Ten championship game, they are 100% it. There's no doubt in my mind. You're not going to put yeah. a one-loss conference champion that beat number two Ohio State in the college football playoffs, but if they win this game and then lose that, which you can kind of see happening because it's like you get so hyped, you finally beat Ohio State and you come down. I hope it doesn't happen, yeah. but I think one of those teams are going to have to win two in a row. Because um, if not, I, I, just, I just think there's enough teams out there with one losses where I don't see the committee um, – Talking about it. I think the interesting thing, though, this weekend was uh, USC USC and Texas, man. We talk about it every year. Um, Texas isn't going to make a bowl game. They're not bowl game eligible. USC still has a shot at a bowl game, but at this point, like, what's the point? Like, 62 points against UCLA? <laughs> well, money. I know that. No, I know no, that, for yeah, sure, for well, sure, for sure. But it's like, <laughs> I, I get bowl games help for recruiting, but it's like, if, you, if, you, if USC is not in L.A., if you're not in Southern California and you don't got girls in bikinis in 95 degree weather, like nobody's coming to USC right now. It's atrocious. And the fact that Archie Manning um, Jr. or whatever his name is, like he's thinking of still, Art, yeah, yeah he's still going to Texas. Like the fact that Texas is still on there from a recruiting standpoint absolutely baffles me. But like we talk about it year after year. Are these programs ever going to get it right? Are they ever going to fix it? Well, and I have a question for you after I, I respond to your question because uh, I have a good one. But when I look at both of those uh, those programs, um, it it feels it feels like Texas is way closer to get, to getting there than USC, in my opinion, because I think Sarkeesian's the right coach. I really do. Um, I mean, he has so much respect around the entire country for his offensive ability, his play calling ability, and um, it's his first year. Like everybody knows. In college football, it takes – I mean, I think the first year Saban was at Bama, they lost to UNL Monroe or something, okay? So, like, it takes – takes three time, to four years. Yeah, it takes three to four years, right? So, you know, five years from now, let's have, like, another conversation about Texas because I think they'll be in a way different spot. Um, because I think to your point, you mentioned this about the college football playoff, and I think it pertains to recruiting as well. Brand matters, right? So, like, Texas is still going to get five-star guys. They might not get as many as they did 10, 15 years ago, but they're going to get five-star guys because of the Longhorn, okay? USC, same thing. Trojan on the helmet. Dude, you're going to get five-star guys. Now, the biggest thing, and you made a great point, like, probably 10 pods back um, before the season when we did the preseason uh, rankings, is you cannot, as USC, 
you cannot allow teams like Bama to come into your backyard and take your guys. Like Bryce Young should have been a Trojan. He was a Trojan. He committed and decommitted and went to Bama. You cannot allow that to happen. And so that's the thing that I think they really need to focus on is like the three places that are, you know, hotbeds for recruiting are California, Texas, and Florida. Okay. So Texas, you need to take care of business. USC, you need to take care of business in your state. Okay. Um, you're not going to stop Bama from taking some of your guys because it's Nick Saban and Bama, dude. They're going to get whoever the freaking heck they want. Okay. But you have to get your guys. Um, so I think it's just important to point that out, but I, I do think that Texas is a lot closer because USC doesn't have a head coach right now, and they're on they're on a, a massive search for their guy, and they, it seems like they've swung and missed like for the last ten years. Like they can't get a guy. That's why you hear all the rumors of Urban going to USC, and you know if they could get Urban, I think it would really change some things. Even though I think Urban is a massive failure at the NFL level, and I know that's crazy to think because you and I are not really guys that are like, hey, we're going to judge somebody based off. 11 games, but it's kind of obvious, right? It's, it's pretty evident that he's, he's not made for the NFL level and that's okay. Now there was Nick Saban, um, but at least Nick Saban, like he won some games, you know, but, uh, so my question to you, Joe Klatt, I, he, I heard a, a like a little a clip on Colin Cowherd's show and Colin asked him, uh, where he ranks the USC and Texas job. And he said that USC is a top five job in the country. And he doesn't even think he thinks the Texas job is maybe a top 20. Okay. I want to know your thoughts on that. Cause I just kind of briefly touched on it. Um, cause I just think that's pretty wild to say USC is a top five job, but Texas is a, not even a top 20. Anyway, go ahead. I think I would rank USC slightly higher. And I think the reason for that is I think right now there's not a powerhouse in the Pac-12, right? So like you look at Oregon, yeah, that's Oregon's fair. like consistently been solid, plus, right? Plus Texas is going to the SEC. So that's just yeah, yeah, right. So it's like you look at that. So it's like there's no powerhouse in the Pac-12, right? Like UCLA is doing better with Chip Kelly, but still like they've been so inconsistent, right? Like they have a chance to win nine games this year. They also like beat LSU who was down this year. You thought they were going to like take the next step up and then they were inconsistent, right? Oregon, like they lost this weekend. Gets blown like, out. Oregon, yeah, they <laughs> blown out this weekend, right? Like you have Washington, you have Washington State, you have Utah, Utah State. Like to me, like the conference isn't overly intimidating and you still have that factor where you live in a top two or three recruiting state. Now, yes, Texas lives in a top two or three recruiting state, but also like Texas as a state, it's a lot closer to Louisiana, right? Where LSU is. It's a lot closer to Florida. So like it's easier to pick those guys. It's not as for big sure. of a like a change for them. Also, to your point, it's like even in their state, you have Texas A&M, right? Which is like an SEC program, which recruits really, really well. You also like have Oklahoma in your conference, right? Oklahoma's in your conference. You have Iowa, you know what I mean? Like you have really good programs. And then you're going to the SEC, which is good and bad. It's good from like potentially a recruiting standpoint. You get a little bit more like nationally televised games, which Texas doesn't really struggle with in general. But then also like the level of competition, like now you're playing Bama every year. Now you're playing LSU. Now you're playing Florida if they get back. You're playing Mississippi State. And so it's going to be tougher um, I think like Jimbo Fisher, like didn't realize that when he left, um, the ACC, right. And goes to Texas A&M and he's like, Oh, I'll get more recruits. But yeah, but now you're playing like, you know, to, uh, to Uber Myers point, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, uh, what was his line? You're not playing Purdue every week, right? Like you're playing like high level of competition. And so I still think Texas from like a, a branding standpoint, like when I'm thinking of college football, I'm thinking of brands when I take a position because that's going to help me recruit. So I would probably have like USC, Texas, both as top five jobs. Um, 
But I would say I would have USC like slightly higher, but not by much. All right, let's get into the NFL, man, because very frustrating weekend for me. Great week for you. Thursday night, blowout, shutout of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, But we'll get into all of that. So uh, I want to kick it off with a game that uh, I thought was very surprising. And, you know, these are two teams that, one, I had higher expectations for, and they've kind of been, they got off to a slow start, but they're starting to pick things up. And then another team that everybody thought was a Super Bowl contender. So that's the Colts and the Buffalo Bills. So, Dust, what are your thoughts on this game, man? 41 to 15 final. Uh, what are your thoughts on just the Bills, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, the Colts? Go ahead. Yeah, I'll start with the Bills. So I think two or three pods ago, we talked about the Bills pretty heavily. And one of the things we mentioned was they don't have a running game, right? Like their running game is Josh Allen. And, you know, the only team that a running game works for in the regular season with a quarterback is the Baltimore Ravens, right? Besides that, like you want your running backs to be running the football. I think for the Bills, they could honestly probably utilize Josh's legs a little bit more um, and do some like read action and give him the opportunity to, like to run the ball. But really like their unbalance and their inability to really move the football on the ground, that's their biggest issue. Like, it's all the Josh Allen show. And I think Josh Allen is great, but, like, we've even seen this with Patrick Mahomes. Like, when the Chiefs can't run the football, and when the Chiefs are, like, 100% reliant on Patrick Mahomes, you're more prone to errors because you're going to push the ball down the field. Like, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are very similar in the – the idea that both of them want to stretch the ball down vertically and both of them at this point in their development really struggle with taking what the defense gives them, having 9, 10, 12, 13 play drives. Like they want the home run play because they have, you know, they have the Ferraris on the outside. Um, and then their defense, like the Bills defense, who have who has been really good this year, I mean, they just got run over. They're a little bit stronger against the pass, but they absolutely got demolished by Jonathan Taylor. Since Derrick Henry's been out, there hasn't been a better running back in the NFL than Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor. He's been the best running back. And I think the Colts, like, when you pick the Colts. And I think I know some people that talked about him, like, before when he got drafted. I think I know some people that were like, this guy's going to be an absolute beast. People were, like, tacking us on our page, like, DeAndre Swift is way better. Who's, like, where's DeAndre Swift? And I think, like, to your point, like, when you pick the Colts earlier to win this division, right, it was predicated on two things, right? Carson Wentz staying healthy and coming back to the Carson Wentz of old and their ability to run the ball behind that offensive line. And I think, you know, for Carson Wentz, I like what the Colts has done because they've taken it on a little bit slower. Like, Carson Wentz doesn't have the same burden Absolutely. he had in Philadelphia. Um, he still hasn't gotten, like, back to the level of – MVP Carson Wentz, but it's a new year. It's a new team. It's a new. He also system. has no weapons. Yeah, but he's been, <laughs> but he's been like consistent. I think for me, like the biggest red yeah. flag for him has been like, hey, um, you know, can you stay healthy? And there was a little bit concern. I think week two or three, but besides that, he's battled back. To your point, like Ty's been out almost the whole year. Besides that, like he doesn't really have like any real weapons. Like Michael Pittman Jr., like he could be good in a few years, but he's still like young and he's coming on. But what they've done a great job is they have a really good defense. They have a great front seven and they run the ball really well. And they're basically having Carson Wentz make a few plays at the end. But for the Colts, it's basically going to come down. If they can continue to run the ball and then just have Carson Wentz make a few spot plays throughout the game, it's a winning formula in an AFC that is a lot more open than it has been in the last few years. Yeah. It to me when I look at when I look at the Colts, I mean I think what Carson's done is nothing short of spectacular. Because if you look at their offense, they have no weapons. Like Michael Pittman Jr. is a solid guy that's coming along that has potential to be a number one guy. But T.Y. Hilton's been out the whole year. They have no tight end. Um, you know I know that <clears throat> Jonathan Taylor for me 
is is really the reason why more so than than just Carson is like these two guys are now are keeping this team afloat and I mean they should have beat Tennessee right like this team should be at, at the absolute minimum seven and three they lost to Seattle week one which was just a super odd game because Seattle's atrocious um, I mean there's so many games on their schedule that could have gone either way for them and so um, you know I just I, I really like what Carson's done I think the thing you pointed out that's so key and I agree 100 percent is Frank Wright's done an incredible job bringing Carson Wentz along he knows what he has in Carson Wentz okay he was there he was the OC in Philly when he went down with the torn ACL when he was going to be the the MVP that season um, I mean this guy's going to end up with probably 30 TDs and close to 4,000 yards he's only got three interceptions like in any other season, if this wasn't Carson Wentz, people would be saying this is an incredible season, right? Not an MVP type season, but a real like dust. Like seriously, like are you taking thirty three and four thousand? Like you're gonna take that all day, like a hundred percent. Okay, so um, and I just think with Tennessee's loss to Houston, man, um, and Buffalo losing, I mean, like this team's got a chance to not only like win the division, but like be a higher seed in the AFC now, which is crazy because I think four weeks ago people were riding this team off. But I want to talk about your beloved New England Patriots real quick because, man, there's some teams this weekend that you got to like maybe send some fruit baskets to because, I mean, Buffalo going down six and four. You guys are now the first place team in the AFC East, baby, which I called at the beginning of the year. And then Tennessee goes down. Dude, you guys might end up being the number one seed in the AFC. What are your thoughts, man? Well, normally, like, you know, last year was a little bit of an anomaly, but like, normally there's three things you expect in November, right? You have Thanksgiving. You have pumpkin spice, spice lattes, and you have really good New England football. Football, right? Like we always play well. Like I mean, if you ask, if you ask Bill that though, he would say that no matter what, they're always trying to win games. Believe it or not, always trying. <laughs> that to was win a games. savage press yeah. <laughs> It's like we, we. I mean, normally they say if you're going to beat New England, like you beat up on them September, October, right? Because it's like we normally start a little bit slower and then we finish strong. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think that when you look at like our schedule the last few weeks, right, they have been winnable games, right? Now you still have to take care of the teams on your schedule, but it's like you look at like the Panthers who I was really bullish on early in the season and Sam Darnold like just had to make sure I was unsuccessful. Um, and they've played, you know, not as well as of late. Atlanta's Atlanta, right? 28 to three, had to get it in there. Um, for New England, I think it's two things. I think you look at from my standpoint, the turning point of the season was the Bucks loss. Like I'm not big on a moral victory, but that was a moral victory. You look at the way the defense played Absolutely. before that game and after, like Matthew Judon, our big free agent signing from Baltimore, first half of the season, he was a no-show. Like nobody knew who he was. He wasn't living up to the contract and he had a heck of a game against Tampa. And really since then, he's gone on a tear. He's at almost like, 11, I think he has 10 and a half, 11 sacks now. He's played really well defensively has been, I think for me, one of the really exciting points because last season it wasn't New England defense, right? Like we had a lot of opt-outs due to COVID. Dante Hightower is back this year. And so you can tell that group's really there. To me, ultimately, like I think the biggest concern because now everybody at ESPN, everybody at Fox Sports is like, you know, New England should be the favorite in the Super Bowl. And although, you know, I would love the idea of that, <laughs> uh... to me, it seems a little bullish for two main reasons, right? I think offensively, we don't really have any weapons, right? Like we have Hunter Henry, who I think is a nice, a nice tight end at this point, but he's not like a game-changing tight end, right? Like he's taken a step back athletically. 
on the outside, when you look at like Nelson Aguilar, like he's probably a number three on, on most championship football teams. Like if you look at like a Kansas City team or you look at like Dallas or you look at the Rams or you look at the Bucks, like he's a wide receiver number three and he's our wide receiver number one. And so when you get into a playoff game, the one formula New England has is like we run the ball really well and we play good defense. The part that concerns me is like there's nobody on the outside that really can win a one-on-one matchup. And that's a lot of pressure on a rookie quarterback. And Mac's playing great, but to me, it more seems like we're a team that has a great chance to make the playoffs. We're going to get experience, but I think we're missing a few pieces on the outside because there's just there's just not a lot. And I think that's one of the things that's been so impressive of Mac is he's really done a lot with, you know, you look at all of the weapons he had at Alabama, right? And obviously, like, the great thing he had, and I think this is so important for a young quarterback, is like he went from a great college football coach to a great NFL coach. coach. And so like culture is so key. But you look at the weapons he had at Alabama, you could make a case he had a better offensive like players at Alabama than he had at the NFL right now. Like you could really make a strong argument that the guys he was throwing football to at Alabama, right, were better skill position players than who he has in New England. And so the the fact that he's made do with that at the NFL level, I think is really impressive. But I think we have to hold – I think we got to hold back a little bit on like Super Bowl favorites. I think it's a little bullish in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think it's because of people people trust Bill so much, you know. For like sure. you text me the other day and, and Bill we trust, you know, and I think that's where people are feeling like, okay, offensively if they're if they're not gonna lose the game for them, if Matt can can manage the game, make a few big throws, um, then they've got a chance. Cause I mean, honestly, like I'm looking at your schedule right now, right? So week one, you guys lose to Miami 17 16. Okay, should have won that game. Okay, that puts you at eight wins. Um week four against Tampa, 1917. You know, easily could have won that game. Okay, that's that's nine wins. Then you guys lost to us in overtime. Okay. Should have honestly beat us. So 10 wins, like people, to me, it's like, if you look at that, if you're, t- if you're at 10 wins right now, I think it's 100% fair to say you guys are a Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Like, I, why not? Like if you beat Tampa, you beat us. I mean, we're us and Tampa are a top three team in the NFC. I mean, to me, that's fair to assess that. Um, and even in, in the last four weeks, like you haven't beat scrub teams. Like you guys beat Carolina. They're still in the playoff hunt, okay? You beat the Chargers. They're going to be a playoff team. Cleveland, everybody thinks they're a top two roster, top three roster in the NFL, which they are. 45-7 to seven stomping, okay? 25 nothing against Atlanta. And Atlanta's not a great team, but they're also not the worst team. They're not the Jags, okay? You don't have any losses to, to bad, bad teams. Like, it's, it's really remarkable, man. And these next two games are going to be key because – or actually really the next four because you got Tennessee, Buffalo, Indy, Buffalo. Okay, so that's going to be an interesting four game stretch. And I think after these four games, we're going to truly know, like, not only are you guys a playoff team, but like, I really think if you guys can go like three and one in this stretch or somehow four and oh, I don't know how you don't put yourselves in that. But anyway, that's just my thoughts on that. Um, Let's talk about, I, I was dreading this, honestly, leading up to this. Let's talk about the Cowboys, okay? Um, only because I need to, it's more of just like a therapeutic session for me. Like I need to vent. Um, look, this is a safe I, space. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so I went to the Dallas Cowboys Instagram after the game and I wanted to see, I wanted to see our, our fan base. I wanted to see people commenting and see what their thoughts were. And I told you this pre-show, it's really interesting to me that people were saying, you know, the defense was atrocious, couldn't stop anybody. The receivers kept dropping balls. Nobody blamed Dak. Nobody blamed Dak. And I texted you throughout the whole game. 
And, um, you know, this is, this is what I was talking about prior to the year. Okay. This is what I was saying even last year about not paying Dak. The thing with Dak Prescott, man, and, and look, he's, I think he's exceeded expectations from at least my expectations this year up until this game. Um, so I have to give it to him there. However, uh, watching this game was very worrisome for me. And it reminded me of all the reasons why I thought, do not pay this guy. Um, one of the big glaring red flags is that, and what I mentioned is Dak Prescott is only what people think of the best version of Dak Prescott is when the offensive line's healthy, we're running the football, and he has three number one wide receivers to throw to. Okay, You give anybody that, they're going to probably be pretty successful unless it's Cam Newton. Okay. Or it's just, it's just really remarkable to me that like nobody's critical of him. Like I'm talking about eye test. I'm not looking at statistics. Okay. You, you actually texted me this and I, and I agreed. Um, no progressions, like just completely went to the check down every five seconds. Okay. Like not going through his reads seems super uncomfortable in the pocket. And I get that there was a rush. Okay. I'm not negating that. I'm not saying that every pass play, he had perfect protection, but there were a lot of times where he stepped up in the pocket and decided to check it down. Like you're going to have a pass rush in the NFL, man. Like it's just part of the game. That's what makes the quarterback position so difficult. And why those guys make so much money is because you have three seconds to go through three reads and you have guys all in your face. Like it's incredibly difficult. So I'm empathetic, but at the same time, man, you are a five-year vet, second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And you're checking down every third play. Like it's, it's unacceptable. Then the limitations with his arm strength. I texted you that as well. Like so many balls underthrown. And we're not talking he's having to heave the ball 70 yards. We're talking 45, 50 yards in the air. Okay. Underthrown. CD Lamb uh, interception at the end of half. Underthrown. Like our defense was the only reason we were even in this game. Like the fact that anybody could watch that game and blame the defense clearly does not understand football. Um, I understand that some of the receivers, Michael Gallup dropped a few balls, CD lamb. I get it. I get it. Amari Cooper wasn't there. Like, Oh, boo hoo, dude. Mac Jones has Nikhil Harry and Nelson Aguilar to throw to. Okay. So like, it's just, it's absolutely so asinine to me that people, that's probably why people hate our team so much because our fan base is so unaware and ignorant, dude. Like you guys are stupid. Like I'm calling us out as a fan base. Like Dak is a much bigger problem today than freaking not having Amari Cooper or having a few drops or the defense giving up only 19 points to Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Like, what more do you want? You got the ball in, you know, Kansas City's um, uh, territory multiple times. We had two turnovers defensively. Like, I don't know what else Dak needed, you know? So anyway, it's just incredibly frustrating, man, that like, People are so unaware of football. They get so caught up in the fantasy age and stats and like, that's how they gauge people. It's like, I'm telling you right now, like I would take, I, I texted you this. I said, give me Jimmy G. Give me Jimmy G for real. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm taking Jimmy G all day over deck. I think the crazy part, like watching this game is like, I thought the defense played their best game of the season by a long shot. I mean, you basically, you kept Patrick Mahomes at 60% completion percentage, 260 yards on 37 attempts, one interception, no touchdowns. Like, Kansas City scored three points in the second half. Three points in the second half. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, what? as an offense, you're telling me, hey, guys, we're going to go into the second half, and we're going to only give up three points. You need to do the rest. Yeah. I'm taking that. And then even even if you look at, like, Kansas City scoring in the first half, the only reason they scored 16 points was because Dallas couldn't hold the ball for more than three plays. It was three plays and a punt, three plays and a punt, three plays and a punt. It's like, what is a defense supposed to do? They were on the field the whole game, and they really, like, minimized, like, the big plays. Like, Tyreek Hill had one big play on, like, a run, like – you know, 33 yards on like a run, but they didn't give up any plays really down the field. Um, they kept Kelsey in check. Like nobody, there wasn't really any explosive plays. And I, th- I think that's the part for me where it's like, what more were you wanting this defense to do? And offensively, whether it was, I feel like whether it was game plan or whether it was execution, it was poor on both fronts. I mean, let's be honest, Kansas City's defense been playing better as of late, but they're not the 2000 Ravens. Like, you need to score more than nine points against this Kansas City defense. I get, you know, um, they've been playing better, but they really have like two players, right? They have Chris Jones and they have Tyron Matthew, right? And both those players are absolutely game player, game wreckers. And so you need to know where those two guys are, and that's how you need to set up your game plan. And to let Chris Jones get three and a half sacks for you and really control that second half defensively, he was either getting a sack or tipping a ball on almost every possession. Like, that's coaching. That's game plan. That's also Dak's awareness. Like, if I'm Dak Prescott, I know where two players are on the field. I know where Tyron Matthew is, and I know where Chris Jones are. And I'm going to make sure that my execution is directed to where those two guys aren't. And for a guy who's been in the league as long as Dak Prescott is, to get the notoriety that that Dak gets, like, you have to be okay in those situations. And it's like, to your point, like, I feel like Amari Cooper is kind of his safety net. But you still have Gallup out there. You still have CeeDee Lamb out there. You still have Zeke, too. At this point, like, at this point, Zeke's my backup. Like, he's, I was texting you, bro. He's the oldest 26-year-old I've ever seen. He's like Todd Gurley 2.0. Like, every time he gets the ball, he looks like he's, like, he needs one of those, like, oxygen masks on. Like, he's, like, short of air. It's like he's so unexplosive, which is crazy because they've really limited his touches the last two years. But to me, like, if I'm Dak, like, if you told me, right, Cowboys fan or not, hey, we're going to hold Kansas City to 19 points, I would take that every day. Every day. If you told me, hey, you guys are going to play Kansas City and hold them to 19 points, three points in the second half, I'm thinking, all right, cool, we won 28-19. Like, we had the number one offense in the NFL this year, most in yards, most in points. Like, you're playing Kansas City on the road. I don't care. you got to win this football game or at least make it close. And this was one of the, like, it was 19-9. to It wasn't that close. Like, Kansas City completely no. controlled the game. And the only reason it was kind of close is because Dallas's defense played a heck of a game. Like, I was texting you, like, Micah Parsons, if this guy stays healthy and he doesn't have any off-the-field issues, like, he's Von Miller 2.0. Like, the second half of that game, the way he got through the line, forced two sacks on Patrick he Mahomes. He took over. I mean, he did. Had a huge strip sack. Like, he put you guys in a great position, and then the offense just didn't execute. Like, when you talk about getting the ball from Patrick Mahomes on, from midfield on an interception and a forced fumble, like, that's a formula to win these football games when it's a possession-by-possession game, and really, Dallas just didn't execute. Yeah, when I think what's frustrating, too, is that, you know, again, when you get paid the way Dak got paid, everything's your fault, even if it's not. That's just how it is, okay? How in the world... Can you watch this game and not blame Dak? And, and, and here's what I would say to that is, my, and my question to you, Dust, is when you are a franchise quarterback and you get paid like Dak got paid, is that not 
like why you pay him is for games like this is for games where you don't have Tyron Smith and you don't have Amari Cooper. Is that not why you pay those guys $150 million? You don't pay them $150 million to make sure they got three number ones, three all-pro offensive linemen, an all-pro running back, and and a top-five defense. That's not why you pay him. Because if that's your team, you don't need to pay him, which is what I've been saying. Give me Jimmy G, for real. Like, I'm being honest. Like, I'm not, it's not a joke. Like, if you look at what Jimmy G did two years ago, that was the formula. Ran the football, elite offensive line, elite defense. Put a guy in there that's not going to lose a ton of games and can actually win the game. Like, this is, this game is so concerning for me as a fan. Way more than the Denver game. Because I understand the Chiefs are playing good the last four weeks. It does not matter. You pay 150 mil to win these freaking games. I got to get off this, dude. I'm going to freaking lose it. All right, let's talk about another. Well, no, I think Go ahead. I, I, I think the point you made last is like that's why you pay a guy that much money. Because when you look at it, like that's the reason Houston played Deshaun Watson. Like before this season, like Houston, like Deshaun Watson was the reason Houston won 10 games every year. He was the reason, right? Like this season's been a little bit different because of the injury, but like Russell Wilson the last two years, he's the reason – Seattle's been in the playoff line yeah. because that roster yeah. has so many limitations from the offensive line, running back, even defense. And so it's like when you're paying a guy this much money, it's not what do you do when everything's going well. It's how do you do when the team needs you to elevate, right? When we talk about like there's a difference between a franchise quarterback and a superstar fr- quarterback. Franchise quarterback is a quarterback who can be on your roster and lead your team for the next five or ten years. A superstar quarterback is a quarterback who elevates people around them. And when you have that talent level, it's really just making a few big plays and you need to step up. Um, so I know there's a game we both want to talk about. It's uh, Houston and Tennessee, right? A um, couple of thoughts on this game. So Tennessee, I think to me, when they lost Derrick Henry, that's where it was like, hey, what's going to happen at this point, right? And they figured out the last two weeks prior to this game, huge upset against the Rams. Um, and then Texas coming to town and really um, everything that you thought can't happen if I'm a Tennessee Titans fan happened in this game, right? You couldn't run the football, and Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions. And um, if I'm a Titans fan, like, I get it's a division game. I get the conditions are horrible. Like, I watched part of this game, and it was like, it was, I mean, it was it was a bad one. Yeah, the conditions are horrible, rain, but so mud. is the opponent you're playing. <laughs> so, so, so are the Texans. Like, I get it's a division game, and sometimes, like, you take these with a grain of salt, but... If I'm a if I'm a Titans fan, like I, I get us one game, but it but it's scary. Like it's scary to think, hey, this is what our offense looks like without Derrick Henry. Because I think like the reality is, I think this is more who the Titans are than the game versus the Rams. Because I, their defense has been so inconsistent, right? They've they've played up at times, but like when you look at their defense, like from a personnel standpoint, it's not scary. Like they have they have talent, but it's not like it's overly scary defense where you look at like the names right on the roster and you're terrified. And then offensively, like Julio hasn't been the same guy since he's come from Atlanta. Clearly, it seems like age has gotten to him to extent. AJ Brown, who's a heck of a talent, he's had some lingering hamstring issues, so he's been in and out of the lineup. And then, I mean, I love AP, but I loved AP a lot more ten years ago. So um, for the Titans, like this is a big game this week. They have us this week. Uh, in New England, and I, I think we're going to really find out a lot about Tennessee this week. Yeah, I mean, well, look, Tyrod. Taylor, like, I don't, I don't care about conditions. You lost to Tyrod Taylor, who threw for 107 yards. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that. Um, other than that's a massive loss. 
you know, and I, I'm not saying you're you aren't warranted like a loss in your season against a bad team, but that that was, I mean, Ryan, like you you said it perfectly. Like you have to have Derrick Henry. Okay, that's what honestly he got he got Tannehill paid. Okay, um, Tannehill's a solid starting quarterback when you have a guy like Derrick Henry. Um, but I want to talk about actually another game. Let's talk about the 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 Packers and, and Vikings. Okay, um, what are your thoughts on this game? Because even though Minnesota's five and five, they've had I think three losses in the in the final moments of games. So they actually could be, you know, their record could look a lot different than it is. What are your thoughts on this victory for Minnesota? Do you think this was more of an anomaly, or do you think Minnesota's record record does not reflect the type of team they are? And then, are you concerned with Green Bay? I mean, there's not many quarterbacks I like more than an early morning Sunday Kirk Cousins. Um, early morning Sunday game Kirk Cousins is what. I think he's so. I think he's so disrespected. Man. He's one really of the best do. out there. I mean, if you get Kirk Cousins on an early morning game, he's going to give you three forty and three touchdowns. Now you get Kirk Cousins on a Monday Night Football game, it may be a little bit different. Um, but I mean, Minnesota has a great roster. I think they're a team that's like in it every year. Um, you know, from the Packers standpoint, it's like you lost a game by three points against a good division football team. And so like, you're still an eight and three football team. And so like, I'm not like overly concerned if I'm the Packers. I think if I'm Minnesota, like the tough thing is like the NFC is just, it's just a deep conference. Like you look at like all of the teams in there, you got the Packers, you got the Rams, you got the Cardinals, you got the Cowboys. Like it's a deep conference. I mean, they definitely have a chance like to make the wild card. And I think they have a chance to be a playoff team. You look at, you know, the defense side of the ball, they've kind of underperformed at this point, but offensively it's like, you got Dalvin cook, you got Justin Jefferson, you got Adam Thielen, like you got some weapons out there. Um, and I think Kirk Cousins, like, I think Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback. Now do I put him in the upper echelon of like quarterbacks who elevate talent? Not necessarily. I think no, he's a guy no. where if you put talent around him, he's not going to lose you football games, and he can make a few plays here and there. I don't think he's necessarily like the guy that I'd probably want in a two-minute drill down by three. Um, but he got it done this week. Like he got it done this week against a really good Packers defense. I think that's the thing is like the Packers this season. Like you can say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. You can say what you want about um, Devonte Adams and that offense. Really defensively has been what's kept them in football games is what kept them in the chiefs game. It's what have it's what's had them be so successful this season. And so if I'm green Bay, it's like, look at the film, find out what we can clean up. But I think if I'm Minnesota, this was a, this was a bigger win for Minnesota than for the Packers, because if Minnesota loses this game, they go to four and six. And then you look at the wild card situation being a little bit tougher. Um, but with the Saints being so inconsistent this year, losing to the Eagles, the Panthers have been inconsistent as of late. It gives them a shot where if they can win out or they can win the majority of their games, they have a chance to get in the playoffs. And once you get there, you know, you never know what happens. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think the thing you said that was super important to me that I agree with 100% is that it, it was a way bigger win for Minnesota than it was a, a loss for the Packers. Um, and I just, I really do like Kirk Cousins. I think he gets completely disrespected in the conversation. I mean, more people talk about Justin Fields uh, losing to um, um, the Ravens without Lamar Jackson this week than they do Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't understand how you look at a stat line like his, you know, 24 of 35, 341 and three TDs and just not talk about him, you know? And it's, I'm not, again, I think you said it perfectly as well is that he's not a top five quarterback, but like, can you find any like 10 to 12 guys better? Like I don't, and it's, here's the thing. He's done it his whole career. This is not a one year deal. He went off in Washington. Okay. They decided to let him go. I still think they regret that decision. Um, and, and he's, he's picked up in Minnesota. Like, again, I, 
I understand that he hasn't just like won. He's got one playoff win, I think. He hasn't just won a ton of games. He hasn't won a ton of playoff games. And I get that. And I know that's what we judge quarterbacks on. But like, you can't look at Minnesota and go like, oh, there's there's better guys available that they should have gotten. You know, they just, I just don't see how that's possible. Um, but I want to talk about one last game. I got man. a question for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it might be the same game. But I want to talk about Arizona, Seattle. And the main thing I want to talk about is Cliff Kingsborough, right? I think a lot of people, and I think us included, like, Going into the season, a lot of us was like, hey, we like him, but a lot of his success we feel like hinges on Kyler Murray and their ability to like work together. Well, Kyler Murray has been out the last three games, and Colt McCoy, who is a guy we love from Texas, but he is more of a career backup, and he's come in and played not only really well for them, but he's excelled. I mean, he had 300 yards and two touchdowns, and I get like Seattle isn't the Seattle as of late, but it's still like a division game. You look at the way he played last week against the Panthers, the week before that against the 49ers, like number one, like the Cardinals, they're sitting at nine and two, best record in football, right? Um and then you look at like the way Cliff has coached, not just with a star quarterback, but with other backup players. Like, has your thoughts on Cliff as a head coach changed this season, or is it still too early? And second, do you think Arizona is the best team in football right now? So one, I think he's, I think he's the coach of the year candidate. Like, I think he has to be leading that. Um, like, what he's done this year is is really impressive. Honestly, you're in a tough division. I understand Seattle's down, but it doesn't matter. It's still an incredibly tough division. Um, you have a guy in Kyler Murray who I think is perfect for that system. I don't know if Kyler Murray works anywhere else. I really don't. Um, and that's why Cliff said it before he got the job. He said, who would you take with the normal pick? I would take Kyler Murray. They are like the perfect marriage for each other, I think. But with what he's done with Colt McCoy, I mean, the fact that teams haven't been able to tee off on them. I mean, what was it a couple of weeks ago? The Niners lost. They didn't have AJ Green. They didn't have uh, D Hop. They didn't have Kyler, and they still beat them. It's like, okay, like those are the games where you really go. Coaching can make a difference, and he's made a difference in every single one of those those moments. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think that it's you would be naive to say or ignorant at least to say that that they're not the best team in football because you know, look, they beat the Rams pretty handedly, and I think the Rams are a top three, top four team in football. Um, and I, I just ultimately, man, I don't know how it's going to be come playoff time because I think that's where it's like I look at you look at the Cardinals and you look at you guys on paper and probably everybody would pick the Cardinals. But when it, when you get into the playoffs, like that's where experience matters. That's where a guy like Bill, who's got six, you know, six chips, it's like, man, I I would at that point lean towards you guys, even though I think they have the better roster because I think experience matters in in the playoffs and, and it's one game, right? Like. So um, that's the only thing that concerns me is like, I, I do think they're, I think they've earned the right at least at this point to be crowned the best team in football right now. Um, but I don't know how I feel about them going into the playoffs. So, and, and that's even with a, high, a healthy Kyler Murray. So, um, but I, I think hundred percent, my, my opinions changed on him. He, he's earned that right. And I think they've gotten better every single year, which is what all you can ask for. Like when you hire a head coach, like, are you improving? And they've improved every year. And, Look, it's not for lack of talent either. Like, I'm not going to say that that's why Cliff's had success, but look, they've got a ton of talent. And I would say this, like, tip your hat to them. Like, they've been aggressive in pursuing these guys. Like, you and I have talked about this many times. I don't know why the NFL is not more like that. 
Like more teams are not aggressive and I don't get it. Like we see it in the NBA all the time. Teams are super aggressive. We see it in baseball. Teams are super aggressive. But for whatever reason, historically in the NFL, it's gotten a little bit better over the years. Um, you know, you see teams like the Rams. It's like, even though I didn't think OBJ was a good fit, it's like, hey, there's a guy that could potentially be a, like a, a massive upgrade to what we have. Um, and let's go get him. Let's go be aggressive, you know? And it's like, or even like the Bucks, you know, it's like, hey, let's go get Antonio Brown. Hey, let's go get Leonard Fournette last year. You know, it's like, be aggressive, man. Like go all in to win. And I think that's what the Cardinals have done. So I tip my hat to not just Cliff, but I tip my hat to their front office and GM. And, you know, I, I think they're absolutely have earned the right. But um, I I want to talk about one last game before we do the uh, Monday night pick. Steelers Chargers game last night was amazing. Um, it was really a game that I needed coming off of uh, the show that, that we displayed and put on earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts, man, on the Steelers? I mean, and then the Chargers. I know that you and I both really like the Chargers. We love Justin Herbert. Um, but they've they've lost a few games this season that I feel like they should have won. And, um, you know, I think they needed this game really badly, especially with the Chiefs kind of surging, winning four straight. What are your thoughts on this on this, uh, on this this final? Both these teams are really confusing to me. Like, I, I honestly, like, don't know what to make of it. Pittsburgh, like... I get Pittsburgh before this game. I think they had they hadn't lost a game in five. They had you know four wins and a tie. To me, their offense has just been so weird. Where it seems like personnel wise, like they would be a really good run dominant football team, but they haven't fully committed. Like they still like to spread the ball around, and they just don't have the same playmakers. Like I don't think Juju Smith Schuster is like a great playmaker, but when they had him on the field, they have like three guys that you had to cover, and Dante Johnson, Chase Claypool, and him. Right, and so like I think when you lose him, it kind of hurts what you do on the outside. And they're pretty reliant on, on Najee Harris. I think, you know, the fact that Pittsburgh was in this game minus Mika Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt says a lot about the culture that Mike Tomlin has created. Like, yeah, absolutely. The fact that in this day and age that Mike Tomlin's like not getting love is absolutely shocking to me because like he's been like the pillar of success for 15 plus years. On the Chargers standpoint, like in the standing, the Chargers won this football game, which is really important to them as the season goes on. But it kind of felt like a loss to me for them because they let Pittsburgh like back in the football game that they were completely in control of, and they gave up 27 points in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what concerns me with the Chargers is like there's such high extremes as far as like, um, you know, there's games where they go out there and they clearly look like a top five team in football. I mean, I think from a roster standpoint, they're a top five roster. But this is, I think, the one area where Justin Herbert is going to have to grow. And I think he will grow. And I think this is the part about quarterback play that takes the most time is understanding like clock management and time and possession. Because I think from a talent standpoint, Justin Herbert, you could make a case he's the most talented quarterback in all of football. Like, and I don't, I don't think that's a crazy I take. I agree 100%. Like, I think you no, could make a not. case that like he's I in the conversation Mahomes. with Mahomes, with Allen, with like all those guys. I think from a talent standpoint, I mean – the guy threw oh, don't for, disrespect him the, with Allen. The, don't the guy him. threw for 300, 380 <laughs> yards and ran for 98 yards. Like, I mean, he can do it all. The one area I think that takes time to learn as a quarterback is like, hey, when do I need to have this drive take up six minutes to give our defense some rest and control the pace? And I think that's the part yeah, where great point. a lot of that is like head coaching and quarterback play. But there's times where like you watch Brady play or there's times where you watch. And I think Mahomes struggles with the same thing where like, it's just like, oh, let's make a big play where it's like, no, actually, like, 
let's do a running play. And even if we only get three yards, it takes 40 seconds off the game clock, which takes about five minutes off of like real time, which is letting my defense rest, letting the coaching um, staff make adjustments. Like that part of quarterback play where you're controlling drives and really controlling the outcome of the game, that's the part to me where like you reach that elite Ep, um, that like elite level of quarterback play. And I think that's the part where like you're not going to get there in your second year. That's the part where I think once Justin Herbert gets there, that's when the Chargers get dangerous. And so I think from a talent standpoint, they're really talented. I still don't consider them a, a, a Super Bowl caliber team though, because I think their their head coach is still going through the growing pains. Right, like for this guy to be the defensive touted protege that he was coming from the Rams they have their worst run defense in football and they gave up 37 points <laughs> to a not very explosive Steelers team right and so I, yeah. I think they're probably yeah. this year's more I think laying the foundation um but I mean from a roster standpoint the LA you know the LA Chargers are in a great position all right let's do a pick them so tonight we got we got the Giants and Bucks man I'm not super stoked about this matchup even though I really like Daniel Jones um it's weird. I oddly think that Tampa like needs this victory, you know, because um, they've looked pretty bad the last couple of weeks. Tommy's not looked like himself. So I think they need a game just to boost their confidence. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tampa. Uh, I'm going to go 24, 10 Tampa. Do we have a chance to get the first big Saquon Barkley game in three years? No. I think his career is over. No shot, bro. I There's really no do. You know, Tampa has the number one rushing defense in the NFL. Um, 24, dude, that's tough. Um, <laughs> so Tampa, Tampa has the number one rush defense in the NFL. The Giants, I mean, the Giants have been so injury plagued, probably I know, more than man, any, I feel for them, any team for in football, right? Like Saquon's been out. Like Daniel Jones has had no <laughs> nobody to throw the football to, right? Um, Kenny, Kenny Galloway, like their huge free agent signings, missed most of the season with hamstring injury. Why you don't pay receivers, like bro? So, try to tell people. Receivers and running backs. It's crazy, man. Um, I think this game – I don't know, man. I've been so bad on my picks for Monday night. <laughs> I, don't I don't even know oh, what to do. Dude. What um, I mean, Tampa's, Tampa's, coming, Tampa's coming off of a bye, right? So, like, you expect Tampa to, to come out and, and go off. I think it's a close game. I think Tampa wins a football game, but I think it's a close one. I have Tampa – uh, don't overthink it 24 20, 14 24 okay, 14 Tampa. Fair. all right well cool i mean we'll have to see how it plays out i don't think the giants have a chance but i think it's yeah. closer than people think i don't know why but i just, just i don't feel like tampa played new york last year on a i want to say it was monday night as well maybe a sunday night and it was way closer than it should have been well, that's going to wrap things up for episode 82 of the DNC podcast. Go ahead and follow, uh, subscribe, whatever it is that you have to click. Please do it for the podcast. And then go ahead and uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that is your platform. We so appreciate you guys being a part of the DC family. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.